Okay, uh, well, it is warm, but the good news is the material I have in front of me fits into what we were discussing last night where we started off in 2 Peter 3 and what was read at the very beginning in verse 1 is this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you beloved in both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder and we discussed the idea we need reminding not only do we need reminding as a listener but sometimes even the person doing the speaking needs reminded so tonight, I don't expect that anybody will hear anything new. It's hard to say anything new from this pulpit after Jim being up here for the last 16 years. So I, I've long ago given up the thought of doing that. I just hope to remind you of a couple of important concepts, and we're going to try to look at it in kind of a different way tonight, if that works out. Tonight's text that I'm basically working off is Ephesians 2. And the text reads, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul is writing that after taking the first chapter of Ephesians and displaying the indicative, talking about our wonderful blessings, how we've been saved, how we've been saved before the foundation of the earth, laying out some of the wonderful things that God has done for us, and then he hits us in Ephesians 2 and says, by the way, you also were dead in your trespasses and sins, don't think that you weren't in bad shape like some of these other people you look at today. You were every bit as bad. And that's basically what we're going to go, go to today. Last time we were together a few weeks ago, I was talking about adoption. Adoption in the Christian context is not something that I knew much of in my initial years because not only did I get horribly bad Christian teaching, what little Christian teaching I got, but it was always around how you should act, what you should do, and being saved, and, and the, the very basic fundamental Christian stuff. But the idea of being adopted into God's family and being called children of God and the, the big grasp of that picture is, is something that was never considered until you know, the last 15 years since I've, I've been here. So we spent some time talking about adoption and, uh, and, and just a wonderful concept in the way God has used it. I have referenced a few times before from this pulpit when I've talked about Bill, Bill Alexander, the PBS artist from back in the 70s, who started almost every show talking about how you need dark to see light. And as he would start his 30-minute paintings, he invariably would come up with some kind of a dark color smash it in big wide swaths and then start laying in lighter colors so you could see the the trees or the leaves or the rocks or whatever it was and it was always light contrasting with dark and that was his technique and sure enough if Genesis 1 doesn't do exactly that because Genesis 1 reads in the beginning God created the heavens and earth 
and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. God does exactly the same thing. He uses the darkness that he had to begin with, without form, without void, and darkness over the face of the deep. And then he introduces himself and says, Let there be light. And there's the contrast. And off we go with the creation story. God using dark to see light. And God's light shows in his creation in so many ways, and hopefully it shows in us. God's light shows in the grace that he shows us by giving us things we don't deserve, and we get it anyway. We certainly don't deserve to be saved. We are sinners deeply stained in sin, and God hates sin. And there's no good reason for God to save us other than that's the way he is, and it's his good pleasure to do that. And fortunately for us, we are recipients of that grace. And, and what a light that is. So God shows his light in the salvation by grace. He shows his light in the mercy by not giving us what we do deserve. And we could go through a long list of things that we do deserve as sinners. But God, by his mercy, withholds that from us. We've seen God's light showing in, uh, in healing. Many of us have had times when we've been in the hospital or had some significant illness or a, a physical problem where we needed a healing. God has shown that in us. Uh, he certainly shows us in the fact that we can take another breath, but then he shows it in the, the fact that he has provided this building for us to be able to, to hear the word of God and to be able to gather together so that his saints can be able to be together in fellowship as we worship God together. And his light shows over and over again. And one of the big ways that his light shows is in adoption. Because God so loved the, the ones that he chose to save, the ones that he elected to save, that he adopted them into the family. And we are given the title children of God, a title that once you get a grasp on who it is that's adopting you, if you can get a grasp on that, that's a rather amazing feat that a God would care about us so much that he doesn't just save us and doesn't just make us a trophy of grace, but he makes us children of God, elect in the family, and heirs with Jesus. I never considered adoption in the Christian context when I was growing up and, and really in my, my early adult years, but when I did, it just showed God to be all that much more merciful that he would adopt us. And that leads us to a call I got from my daughter yesterday. She called me, and I, I looked at the uh, number from the phone, and I didn't recognize it at all. So typically, I don't even bother with calls like that, but I picked it up anyway. And I didn't expect a call from her because she didn't have a cell phone where she was at. But I picked up the phone, and with kind of a poor connection, I heard, Daddy. Now, there's only one person in the world that gets to call me daddy, and that's my girl. She's not my gene pool, but that's my girl. We're together, we're family, and I knew right away who she was. And, and as I started talking to her, and, and I called her by her nickname that I, I told her, and I won't tell you because I don't want to come in back and embarrassing her, <laughs> but I called her by her nickname. And it's, it's funny how when you hear a person talk who is smiling, 
the way they're talking sounds different because the smile just comes through on the phone. And sure enough, if, if that didn't come through in our conversation, however brief it was with her, and uh, it was good to hear from her again, and uh, it was good to hear the a conversation just start off with daddy. It's like, yeah, that's, that's my girl. And there's a closeness you get through adoption and through family like that. And uh, it's a closeness I never had and, until, until she came along. And I'm glad that has happened because it has helped me to better understand the closeness that God has with us and what he has done for us and resulting in adoption and children of God. Light comes from God. He came to us because we couldn't come to him. And God saves because we need saving. And he saves by his grace so that we don't claim any credit to us. He didn't have a plan. Well, he didn't give us a plan to follow. He didn't say do this and do that, and and that was our way of being saved because we couldn't possibly do that. So he didn't give us a plan to follow. He didn't give us a map, but God himself had a plan. He had a story to carry out that he would save his elect by his grace and mercy. And we are adopted children of the almighty God of the universe. And when you stop and consider the current state you're living in, state, I don't mean Tennessee, but condition, current condition you're in, most of us are in pretty good shape. Those of us that might be towards later years have creaks and pains and stuff like that, but that just comes with later years. But when you look around the world and you look over to... Africa, you look to the Middle East, you look to other spots. Gee, we're in the sweet spot, folks. And not only are we in the sweet spot in the world, but in my opinion, if you look at the 50 states, I don't think you can find more than maybe one or two that match up with Tennessee. We're in a pretty sweet spot right here in Tennessee, and we're here because God brought us here. We consider our health, and we consider our family, We consider what God has brought us through. We've all had valleys. That helps us to appreciate God. That helps us to know that God is always with us. Even when we're in the middle of the storm, God is still there. And certainly here at GCA, we've had a few moments with Jim where Jim was in serious trouble. When long ago, he had a stroke, and we didn't know how that was going to work out. That was a big valley. But God, through his grace and mercy, pulled Jim through it. And he's still preaching. He's not only preaching, he's traveling around the country now to other churches preaching to them because they want to hear what he says and and hear God speak through him. And then, of course, Conrad's been in and out of hospitals and Gladys and Dwight and many of us have had issues, but and yet we're still all here. This past Sunday, we were still all here. And God, by his grace and mercy, has taken us through that as he shines his light on us and uh, shows what a wonderful God he's been to us. Now, given that light, given how good God has been to us, let's look back at depravity. So we're not going to look from darkness to light. We're going to look from the wonderful condition we're in now as elect saints children of God, and let's look backward at depravity. Sin comes from the heart. 
Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And then the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. The intention of man's heart is evil. Notice this is not just actions he's pointing to about you did this or that wrong. It's the very heart. His intentions of the heart are evil. So it's even your thoughts. And it's not that the intention of man's heart was evil. It's the intention of man's heart is evil. And notice that this is written after the flood. And Noah's flood didn't change man's nature at all. Still, the intention of the heart is evil. And because every human has a heart, I mean, no heart, you're not human. Every human has a heart, so if the intention of every man's heart is evil, that puts us in a rather depraved state, in an evil state. And again, we're not describing the actions, but if it's the intentions, if it's the very essence of the human being and of the sinner that is evil, Well, that can manifest itself in so many different ways and so many different actions over the course of a lifetime and influencing others to act evil. A lot of bad things can come with intentions and evil creations of the mind. A man might do something that looks great to others. Somebody who doesn't know the inside on what's actually happened might just kind of visually see what's happening that a man is doing and say, well, that's a nice thing he did. But if the man did it out of pride, if the man did it because he wanted to make sure he was seen, if the man timed his act of goodness to make sure the camera was on before he went down and tried to pray like a super holy person, well, praying is a good thing. But if you're praying to try to look good, well, that's not so good at all. The intention was evil, even though the idea of Doing something good is a good thing, but if the intention is wrong, you're in the completely wrong state. So the first point in depravity was that sin comes from the heart. The second is that sin comes from the start. And there's a song in there somewhere if you want to rhyme that together. Psalm 58 says, Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? The phrase there, you gods, refers to judges and rulers. So he says, do you indeed decree what is right? Do you judge the children of the man uprightly? Now in your hearts, no, in your hearts, you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb, and they go astray from birth. Speaking lies, they have venom like the venom of a serpent. So we have here, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth. The sin problem, the depravity problem comes right from the start, and it's in the heart. And number three, sin just keeps going. In Genesis 5, excuse me, this is Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
Now, this is right before Noah's flood, and this is about when uh, God is about to create the flood. And then after the flood, in Genesis 8, verse 20, it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And nothing has changed. The sin just keeps going, even after the flood, even after the God has acted to try to correct man's situation to punish people for the way they've been behaving before the flood. We see that come after the flood, man's heart is evil from his youth. Nothing's changed. Man is still a mess, and man is still sinful. And point number four, sin is everywhere. Everywhere. Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. And there is none who does good, not even one. They have no knowledge. They have no knowledge because they don't know God. The fool says in his heart there is no God. Of course he has no knowledge. They are corrupt. It's everywhere. They have all turned aside. There is none that does good, not even one. So we have sin coming from the heart. Sin comes from the very start, from the womb. Sin just keeps going. And sin is everywhere. Paul begins in Romans 3, verse 10. He begins with Psalm 14, and then he moves on. As he says, it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And there's the description of all humanity right there. What a mess we are. Isaiah, to go to another author, Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity uh, is wickedness, sinfulness. And once again, we see depravity in the human being. But consider again where we've come from as we look back on this. We're looking at this as children of God. We have been saved. Our lambs are written on the book, in the book of life. And yet we look back on depravity and see descriptions of us in the present tense. And if God has been so gracious as to open your eyes and give you just a glimpse of your depravity, that's a wonderful gift to have because 
you get a, a glimpse of that, you will run to the doctor. You will run toward the word to get some help. If you don't know about it, if you feel fine, if the world's doing good and your ends are meeting, the, the paycheck's working out fine, a lot of people don't give it a lick of consideration. But if God, by his mercy, has made your depravity at least a little bit known to you, I don't want to get a full grasp of, of how depraved I am. Just a little taste will do me just fine. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, The hearts of the children of men are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. That is human life without God, full of evil, madness in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. So with that in mind, with that grim picture of depravity, we have tonight's text where Paul says, you, talking to the uh, saved saints, the elect saints, he says to the saints, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by the nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So saints, we're lumped in with the rest of mankind, just as we're lumped into being made out of the clay, it's the same clay. Some of us are made to be trophies of grace, and some of us are made to be destroyed. That describes our past. Not what could have been, not maybe, but that describes our past as it is. And that describes what we have come from. We can look at current events. If you watch the news, there's plenty to see, plenty of destruction, plenty of depravity. If you don't watch the news, I understand. <laughs> I know plenty of people. I've even I know people I've heard on the radio, uh, talk show hosts that talk about they don't watch the news anymore. They just can't handle it. You can look at current events and see depravity everywhere. Just look to the Middle East and some of the things that I saw just in recent couple of years where, for example, in, in one ex case, the, uh, the Muslims and I don't know which group of Muslims it was, but they took a bunch of Christians, put them in a cage, and lowered the cage into a large swimming pool. Wasn't that ISIS? Was it ISIS? Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds like a recent event. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to point at ISIS no, or Taliban or whichever one it was. Yeah, it, it was reasonably recent. Yeah. But the group that is being lowered are Christians. They've been said they're Christians. They won't deny it. And as they're being lowered... They're singing. They're singing to God. They're praising Jesus as this large cage is being lowered into the swimming pool. And as it comes up, they bring up dead, drowned bodies of Christians. That's depraved. Mm -hmm. And that is children of wrath like we once were, like the rest of mankind. We're pretty grim, too. Some of you may have seen some beheadings where heads are put on the ends of poles 
And they stick up the polls like that with a different head of different Christians on each one. They put it on YouTube and off it goes. Man, that's grim. More examples abound, but that's disgusting enough. So how is it possible for a sinner with that kind of depravity staying deep inside of us, how is it possible for a sinner to save himself through the law? It's ridiculous to even think about it. The sinner is completely helpless. And as I referenced earlier, Mark 2.17, Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And enter in the ultimate physician, the one who does heal, Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate doctor, and the even better news, he's the ultimate doctor who makes house calls. He comes where you are. You cannot claim credit for going to him. You cannot claim credit for seeking him out because you're not going to seek him out if you have this kind of depravity in you. But Jesus, by his grace and mercy, makes house calls and comes to you as he came to Paul on the road to Damascus. He comes where you are in the sin you're in, and he works his will on you. We started tonight with light. We started with grace and mercy. We started with some of the wonderful blessings that God has given us. And then we went to a description of who we were before being saved. And it's not pretty. And it comes from different authors. It's not just one author. We have the same sinful nature. We have the same heart that's still inside us. The battle continues to rage. As Paul says in Romans, where the the man of the flesh and the Holy Spirit are fighting inside. The battle continues on because none of us are perfect yet. That's why the battle continues. But God came to us in our sin and began his work on us. And thank God for that. Thank God for Jesus Christ. And consider now our spot in heaven as adopted children and how deeply depraved we have come from to get there. That is a long, long distance to come from. It should be easy to pray and say thank you. It should be, should be easy to, to stop and, and talk to God and, and lay out how, how good he's been to you. Lay out the blessings. The very cover of our hymnal on the inside cover talks about praise God from whom all blessings flow. Well, any one of us should be able to sit down for a while and just start naming out blessings, especially when you consider the darkness that we came from and to where God has brought us to today. He's been awfully good to us. And I thank God that we still have Jim here in the pulpit and God working through him. And although he talks about how it's fine with him if he moves on, I'm glad he's still with us. (laughs) So when you pray to God, consider the gap, the gap between depravity and the gap between how good he's been to you. And after you get the smile off your face, start thanking him because he's been awfully good to us. So tonight the intention was to give you a reminder 
I've told you nothing new. I've told you nothing that's, that's not in the Bible. There shouldn't be anything shocking here. But sometimes we need to be reminded of how long a distance it is between the holiness of an almighty God who just speaks things forth and it happens and our depraved nature. And when you consider also how much God hates sin and came to us anyway, there's qualities I hate in other people that I just don't want to be around at all. I don't want to be around the heroin addict. But given this, the heroin addict is exactly the kind of person that God would come to and fix and begin repairs. Well, all that proves is I'm not nearly as holy as God. <laughs> he will come to you in your sin. So consider tonight when you do your prayers how far God has come for us and what a God we serve. That's all I got to say tonight. Just a reminder. <laughs>